Welcome back to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 92. We'd like to share with you our Sunday worship service for November 11th, 2018. The lesson title is Forgiveness, and it is the sixth of the series Inside Out. And that's taking us through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're all in this together. So our scripture today... Matthew 5, 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, that sounds weird. <laughs> it does. It sounds weird. I have to say that, that it's so easy for pieces of Scripture that sound good, those hallmark moments, whether it's something from the Bible or a be the change you want to see in the world or let it go or expect a miracle or whatever. It's easy to let those things just go by and they sound good. But let us be active participants in everything that goes on. If there's no accidents, let's also be deliberate. And that means take a minute and really question, why does that feel good? What does that mean? What in the world is that all about? Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? That's kind of a big deal. In fact, as we're going to find out today, it is one of the most astounding and bold moments in scripture and it goes by so fast. But what does it mean to be a thing? How do you be something? You are or you're not. How do you be a thing? We tell kids to be good. How do you be good? I mean really, you are or you're not. When we're telling a child to be good, we're saying you're already good. Would you please just act like it for five minutes so we can get through dinner? <laughs> when we tell a kid to be good, and when Jesus tells us to be perfect, what's really being said there is essence plus action. In other words, you are this thing already. Let us see it. You are already good, perfect. You're made out of something amazing. This is a bold statement. Not everybody then or now was willing to make that statement, but we know where Jesus stands on this sort of thing. Be who you are on the inside. Let us see it. This is a big deal. Seeing it is the whole thing. You can't be it if you can't see it. Let us be the kind of people that work on our vision, both when we look in the mirror and when we look around on the outside. It's a big deal because really, 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 what you see is what you get. Now, most of you know that I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up with this stuff. It's all I ever wanted to do. And man, oh man, I have been exposed to so many wonderful things. I feel so blessed, so lucky to get to have been involved in all this stuff. And one of my favorite things that would happen is that at my mom and dad's church, we would get guest speakers to come in, sometimes musicians, but usually speakers would come in and they'd do their workshop and they'd talk about these amazing big ideas in this world that I desperately wanted to be a part of and I wanted that so bad and I loved it so much then and now. And to be honest, it's really hard to hear it when your parents are saying it. <laughs> My children are in the room and they know. It's easier sometimes when it's a traveling speaker. But it was always so wonderful to get to see that and to be a part of our church with host, that kind of thing. But my favorite part wasn't even really the workshop. My favorite part was after the workshop was over, we'd all go get food. 
And it would be adults, adults, adults. It would be whoever did the workshop and sort of people who wanted to ask more questions and live that life and focus. Somebody's life had been changed and they wanted to just go have pancakes with the people that changed their life. Think about how amazing that is. And it was adults, 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 me, adults, adults, adults. It was amazing. I feel so grateful for those moments. And one time, some of you know this story, but it bears repetition because it changed my life. One of those times, it was Edwin Games and Burke Carson. Some of you know those people. They go travel all around. They talk about things that change people's lives and all of that. And this is how long ago it was. It was at the Curtis Hickson Hall in Tampa. That's been long since paved over. It doesn't exist anymore, except in my heart, I suppose. But my church helped sponsor that event at Curtis Hickson, and it was a late thing. It ran late, and by the time it was over, we got to do my favorite thing, and it was late, so we ended up at a dentist, that place of spiritual transformation. <laughs> And once again, adults, 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 me and everybody else. And I just, I just wanted to soak it in. I just, I felt so transformed by it. And I didn't even understand what I was hearing really. I was 12. But I knew what I wanted. And I felt it. I felt that hunger and that desire for connection. And I wanted, I wanted to be big. You know that feeling? I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to play with the big boys, so to speak. And so we were doing our thing and talking and some serious questions and some jokes because that's how it goes and all of that. It was late at night, and the restaurant was mostly empty, and the gentleman walked in who clearly lived out of doors. You know what I mean? And he kind of, you know, kind of wandered around. and was looking around a little bit, and my force field went up. I'm not proud of it, but I didn't want him to interfere with this beautiful bubble I had of good people and cool people and smart things. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to be confronted with the fact that there is other things in the world that I don't have answers for. Maybe I'm the only one who ever felt that way, but I doubt it. And Bert saw what I saw. And he got up, and I thought he had the same feeling I had, which is we need to get this person away. Not proud of it, but that's the truth about how I felt at 12 years old. And he got up, and he went over, made a beeline for the guy, and he put his arm around his shoulder. And I saw him talk, and I couldn't hear what they were saying across the restaurant. And I saw him walk him over to the counter. I saw him talk to the server, and I saw him get his wallet out. He bought food for the guy, bought him a meal. And I didn't know what to do with that. So I had a smart aleck comment, because that's my defense mechanism, and he came back. And I said something. I don't remember what I said, because what he said next blew such a big hole in my memory that I barely remember anything other than that moment. You have those moments that have such a strong gravity that everything else just kind of gets sucked in, you know? But what I do know is I said something to the effect of, get a load of that guy. He is clearly not what we are. You know what I mean? One of those kind of dumb statements. And I made it, and I'm not proud of it, but there we are. And Bert put his hand on my shoulder, and he looked me in the eye, and he took a breath in, and he said, that's Jesus Christ. And it still hits me. Wow, oops. <laughs> I, I, I get it. And I knew exactly what he meant, even at 12 years old. I didn't think he meant it was the second coming because there's no way that would happen in a day because it would at least be a village in. <laughs> I knew exactly what he meant. It meant we partake in the same thing. We are all made out of this. What you do to the least of these, you do to me, remember? The idea of radical mercy, outrageous love, the idea that we're all in this together, and I try to carry that with me. It's so easy to look at other people and go, look at them who 
have more or less. Look at them who disagree. Look at them doing that goofy thing on television or that goofy thing at the family reunion. You know, we're loading up for Thanksgiving, right? It's time to start thinking about it. Look at them. But what I try to remember because of that moment that changed my life is that them is us. That in this great big family, there is only us. They are us. And if you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember that. Take a moment and take a look and be on that journey. But then again, that's what perfection is. It's not a destination, it's a road. Exactly. Perfection is a road. Sometimes when people say, well, God is perfect, they get this idea that God is like some Superman, but just a little more super. Right? The idea that God is perfect means he's just really big and really strong. But that ain't perfection. Perfection is not just more of me, more of the stuff I can understand. Perfection isn't anything you can point to. Because once I can point to it and put it in a little cubbyhole, I have put a boundary around it and it ain't perfect anymore. When you fall in love, you try to understand love. And the act of trying to understand it makes love smaller. Nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do it that way. Perfection is necessarily infinite. Perfection is not defined by holding still. Perfection is defined by connection and action. About doing a thing. About motion. Your perfection is a story you tell walking. And that's a big deal. But think about the moments when you felt perfect, or at least good. When you felt created, when you felt connected to something, in the zone, in love, dancing to your favorite song, fill in the blank. Think about the moments when it worked. Think about how you felt. Did you feel disconnected? Did you feel limited? Perfection is a matter of connection and flow, let's say. Openness to something. That's huge. Because so often people go, I'll feel that connection, that openness, that flow, those great big flowery Hallmark card moments that I'll put at the footer of my emails in the church. I'll feel those things after I get the thing I'm praying for. I'll feel good and connected and part of a family after I get my healing or after the lottery ticket works out or after Geico comes through for me, after whatever it is, I'll feel it after I get the brass ring. Here's the reversal. You don't get your miracle until you get the connection. It goes the other way. You want your healing? Do something about connection that is radical and brave. Then you will make room for the prosperity, for the healing, for the true love, for the whatever it is. Take action first. Proactive connection. And Jesus is talking about this. That piece of scripture about being perfect comes right after he says... Go the extra mile. Did you know that's where we get that saying from? Somebody wants to go one mile with you, go two. If somebody wants your, your coat, that outer thing, give them your cloak. That saying, give the shirt off your back, starts here. Jesus, who says, if, if you need to forgive somebody, forgive them 70 times 7 until you can't even remember what the heck, what was I forgiving? Outrageous, radical mercy and love until you can't even remember anything else. If you want to be successful, if you want to prosper, if you want to fall in love or get the healing or fill in the blank, to get over it, make an investment in somebody else's success. 
Make some kind of investment in love, togetherness, happiness, success. Stand up for somebody. That's what this means. And I know the natural reaction at that point is, yeah, but I don't like everybody. Yeah, but I don't want to, because what if they have the good that, that I work so hard for? Where does good come from? If it's of God, it don't run out. And if it's, if it's something that runs out, you're given from the wrong place. We talked about this, right? When you think of the defining characteristic of Christianity, think to yourself what comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, I know. There are people on the news who do all kinds of nutty, mean, exclusive things in the name of Christianity. That nutty count, they don't get to speak for us anymore. <laughs> When you think of Christianity, what ought to come up for people, what used to come up, let's say, is the notion of forgiveness. In a way, that's what Christianity has brought to the table in a radical way. I mean, certainly other people were forgiving, but not like this. Radical, outrageous forgiveness. It starts there. Here's that quote that people love and then think about and don't love and then maybe start to love again after a few years of therapy. Turn the other cheek. Oh. Sounds great. Not so great. Turn the other cheek. No, that sounds, that sounds weak. It sounds like a doormat thing. It doesn't sound brave. Turn the other cheek. What are you talking about? And it's a weird thing to say in this culture that despises weakness. It's a weird thing to say in this culture that teaches that for me to be successful, somebody else has to fail. And it must have been a weird thing back then because what we know about Jesus is here is the opposite of a doormat. Here's a guy that never minded making somebody mad. Here's a guy that stood up for, for justice and peace and inclusion, radical inclusion. Here's Jesus who didn't mind kicking over a table or two. He would go Real Housewives of New Jersey at the drop of a hat. It happened. So what does this mean? That turn the other cheek idea is easy to equate with doormatism. But we know from the example that that ain't what's going on. Instead, turn the other cheek means do not participate in hate. It's too expensive. Do not participate in hate. It's a cosmic spiritual way of saying two wrongs don't make a right. Let somebody be a jerk all by themselves. Don't join them in the party. It ain't no fun. But more, on the physical level, turn the other cheek means I'm looking in another direction. Maybe it's time to look somewhere else. Maybe it's time to find my answers in another place. Maybe it's time to serve. Yesterday, my daughter Rain and I were getting coffee and uh, pulled out of the coffee place and the car kind of pulled in front, almost cut us off, but not quite. And I had a spectrum of reactions to that close call, especially because it was a Jaguar. And I love those things, man. I'm not even much of a car guy. I'm not that guy. If I had the kind of money for a big car, I would spend it on the church. You know me. It's what I would do. It's just a deal. But I saw the Jaguar, and I have to say, I had a moment where I thought, wow, that's a thing. Look at that thing. I'm a human being. not made of stone. I had that moment. And I thought to myself at the stoplight, what does it mean that I'm thinking about this? Because I'm not really that guy. And I looked, it was almost like I was talking to God. It was almost like, okay, well, what does it take to get to that place? And I looked down at the license plate. It was a vanity plate. <laughs> and it said, sir. I'm like, all right, God, fine. <laughs> all right, I get it. 
served. A long time ago, my son Miles and I took Aikido, you know, that martial art, and it, it involves not hurting anybody, which is great. We're going to learn a martial art that involves not hurting anybody. But it's beautiful because it has to do with using the other person's uh, aggression against them about not participating. See, this is the lesson about not participating in the aggression. And I grew up doing martial arts. I thought it was really good, and I kind of wanted to prove something. You know, I, you know, getting older, but I got some moves. I can do some stuff, and I and I got all Bruce Lee for a minute. And the idea is, once again, if you have aggression, you're going to have it by yourself. And it's going to be reflected back on you. And they partnered me up with this guy who, who just looked like a guy. You know, no big deal. And we did the thing, and I stood and, you know, touched arms. And, and I felt all of that desire to prove myself and to be cool and to win. And before I knew it, I felt all of those feelings spring back on me. It was like uncoiling a spring. Like, you know, when you unscrew a pan and it goes bing. But I went bing, and I found myself flying across the room. And it looked like he just moved a little bit. It was amazing. And in the time that I studied that, my son and I saw things that looked like magic tricks. And that's just a physical, crude representation of what goes on in our hearts. The basic principle of Aikido is, I stand with the universe. If you stand against me, you have to step outside that, and that's on you. I'm not going to go there with you. Radical unity. Turn the other cheek means I am not going to participate in hate because it is too expensive. Now it's easy to go, yeah, but what about bad people? What about them? The defining characteristic of, of anger, of a villain, of bad stuff is separation and fear. Do you want to go there with them? Do you want to take up arms against that? Maybe there's another way. The Bible is chock full of quotes like this. You ready? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Over and over again. Depending on your Bible translation, over and over again. Now, we don't believe in God who's a big guy in the sky going to throw a lightning bolt at you. Doesn't work that way. So what does it mean? It means that there is a natural order of things. It means that being a jerk is punishment all by itself. You don't have to join in. It means that what goes up must come down. For a reaction, there's an equal and opposite reaction. As it is written, instant karma is going to get you. Get your truth where you get your truth, but it's all truth. Stepping in the way of that, deciding that you're going to punish the bad guys, is a little bit like trying to step in the way of gravity or trying to take over for photosynthesis. You can stand out in the lawn and go, photosynthesis, and they will take you away. It doesn't help. It doesn't work. And so trying to punish somebody for something just stands in the way of them growing and of you growing. It's too expensive. Vengeance is mine means get out of God's way. You can be sure that ego is involved in your transactions if you are affixing a punishment. This is the formula. You can be sure that ego is involved in your transactions if you are affixing a punishment. In other words, you watch the person on the news and you go, somebody ought to lock him up. You know what ought to happen to her? That thing ought to go, the justice ought to happen. Well, wait a minute. I'm saying my justice ought to happen to them. That I know best about how they ought to go. What I'm really saying is if I think something ought to happen, I'm really saying it's not going to happen. 
I'm really saying, I don't believe that the universe is going to take care of this. If I'm affixing a punishment in my head, I am asserting the idea that the universe won't take care of this, that God is not in charge. Now, God is in charge, but if I walk around believing that God's not, I'm going to have a diminished capacity to experience miracles. Translation, it won't work so good. If you affix a punishment, you are punishing yourself. I'm going to say it again. Hate costs too much. Don't do it anymore. There are better ways to behave. Instead of finding the things that set us apart, find a way to celebrate family. Now, those of you who served have a feeling of somebody having your back. I get that. It's beautiful. I admire that. Find places that celebrate your tribe, whatever they happen to be. For some people, it's their biological family. For others, not so much. I get that. Ooh, do I get that? Anyway. For me, to be perfectly honest, it's this place. I love the fact that... that I'm looking at 3 a.m. friends. You know that saying, you call somebody 3 o'clock in the morning and they'll help you get out of trouble, hide a body, whatever it is. <laughs> Maybe not that one, but you know what I mean. I love the fact, I'm honored by the fact that I am that for people in this room. Somebody's got my back. This is my family. And man, oh man, I am so grateful for every part of that. Find that for you. Be a part of that for somebody else. Celebrate that Family. That's the thing. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is saying, God has got this. You are allowed to let the family resemblance be visible. Be perfect just like your dad. <laughs> My poor children look like me. I'm sorry, I can't help that. But you look like somebody. In how you are, in how you act, in those moments when you get your ego stuff out of the way and you just open up and love. Easy way or hard way, we all know what that moment feels like. Thank God. We all know what that feels like. That's the family resemblance. You are allowed to let the family resemblance shine through, but to do that, you must affirm family. How can you act in a way that reminds you that we're all in this together? How can you act in a way that says they are us? How can you act in that way? That's the beginning, not the end. That's the beginning of miracles. Find your family. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And like I said, that is one of the most astounding, groundbreaking, miraculous things that happens in the Bible. And it goes by so fast and it's such a hallmark card moment that most people don't even catch it. Think about what's being said there. Be perfect because you can. As your heavenly Father is perfect. Please understand with me that Jesus even saying that God is perfect was kind of a new idea. I mean, we think, oh yeah, God, perfect, that's fine. But understand that most of the people who were listening to him thought of the idea of a God or gods as, you know, really powerful, really strong, but not so much with the perfect. You know, God is like Zeus or something on a mountaintop and usually pretty mad and you usually have to grease their ego a little bit and they're usually trying to get away with something. Strong, not perfect. Powerful, not perfect. And yeah, even today, lots of people have that idea about God. But if you have a small idea about God, you're going to have a small experience of life. That's just how the math goes. 
So for Jesus to say, no, 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 God is perfect. And remember, perfection means action and connection. <laughs> right here. That's how God works. You have access to all of the life and all of the love and all of the prosperity and all of the peace and all of the answers and all of the whatever it is right now because that's how God works. Be that. That's part two, and that's weird. Be that. Meaning, once again, essence and action. Be perfect because you are made like that. But show somebody. Live that. That's astounding. It means that, that, that I have a choice about this. It means that I'm connected to something bigger than me. In a world that says that people are no good, that, that people are not in any way connected with God, God does something somewhere else. And by extension in a world that tells me that, that I'm not worth it unless I make a lot of money or unless a lot of people approve of me, that, that tells me that I'm not even a human being anymore, I'm a human resource. In a world that disconnects and separates and makes people feel like they're not worth anything, here is this statement saying, you are perfect. You are loved. That you have what it takes to, to be important. Just show do something about it. Make a stand. Make a radical investment in somebody's success. When we talk about forgiveness, it seems so passive. Won't you forgive me? In other words, won't you sit still and let me continue doing this awful thing that I'm doing? If you were a real Christian, you'd let me be dysfunctional and weird all the time. <laughs> You've heard somebody say that to you. and wonder, Why can't you just be more spiritual and let me, you know, whatever terrible thing that ain't spiritual. Spirituality rejoices with the truth. Spirituality is strong. Spirituality does not participate in that. Forgiveness is anything but passive. It's got the word give right there in the middle of it. Yeah, I know. Bad joke, but what do you want? Forgiveness. You are active. You move in it. You don't wait for a thing to happen. You happen to it. Radical forgiveness. Sometimes that means seeing past what other people are working on and remembering that we're all working on something. Sometimes it means standing up and saying, I love you so much that I can't participate in this dysfunction. And so I'm going to love you from afar. That's okay too, as long as it's love. Sometimes it means letting something go. Sometimes it means standing on the courthouse steps, but stand for something, not against. Stand for love. Stand for something. Well, what if I, I'm truthful to somebody and they go away? Well, maybe that's what they needed. You know, we talk about tithing money. That's great. We talk about tithing time. That's great, too. But sometimes you tithe people. I give you to the universe. I give you to your greater good so that we can all participate in a world that's better. Can you do it? Sometimes that's what it takes. That's what love has to do. And sometimes that's super hard. But if you love something, set it free. If it's yours, it will come back. If not, go and beat it up and drag it back to your cave. <laughs> Just saying if you're listening. <laughs> you know how this works. Make an investment in somebody. Love somebody. You, right now, partake in everything that God is. Show somebody today. It's time for your lesson, for your demonstration, for your truth. It is time for you to know how amazing, beautiful, powerful you are. And it's time for you to be free. Because after all, 
freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, there's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.